cool. So, we've been doing um, a series for the last, how many weeks now? Two weeks. This is the third week. Mm, great, my maths is amazing. Single digits. So, this is week three of our series looking at water. And we've been basically looking at the whole concept of baptism and the different layers that are behind this kind of ancient kind of sacred ritual thing. And um, today we're going to be looking in Romans chapter 6. Um, and it's just like a totally awesome book. So before we get into this, I'm just going to pray for us. Um, Father, I pray you give us ears to hear and um, I pray you speak to us. I thank you that you're going to meet with us exactly as we are. And I pray that, Father, we would leave here different, challenged, um, and just, yeah, with a whole new way of looking at life. So, Paul writes this chapter, and a lot of times when we talk about Romans 6, we talk about um, a passage which a lot of Christians kind of have a lot of different discussion over, and one of the key things is people see it as like this kind of like um, grace abuse um, type thing. Um, often when we look at it, it's kind of an excuse to sin. People have seen Paul's gospel that he presents, and they've gone like, okay, well that's awesome, so if that's how that is, then I can just do whatever the, the heck I want. And so that's how we tend to look at this passage. But actually, that's not really what was being thrown down. So when there were um, different kind of like Jewish guys that were disagreeing with Paul, um, they were saying, they were opposing him, and they were making the claim that his um, gospel led to people continuing in sin. Like, that people just, like, didn't care how they lived their lives, didn't care about anyone else. They just did what the heck they want. They made it rain in the club, lived that selfish life. And that was the, the proposition that the Jews were putting forward to him. And then Paul, in this brief chapter, takes that on. And now when he takes it on, he talks about baptism, which is maybe a little bit strange. But there's a powerful picture which this passage encapsulates of why uh, baptism is so awesome. So this Sunday is really all about what does waterboarding and baptism have in common? So that's what this Sunday we end on. Um, Marvin is lucky now to be holding the camera because for the last two weeks I've threatened to waterboard him <laughs> this service. I'm actually amazed he's here. Good shout, Marv. So, still down. He's still down for it, yeah. We're not going to do it. Our first ever time on Facebook Live and we waterboard um, our most loyal volunteer. It was just the Yeah, 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 yeah. This is how we do training. Like, no, that's not good. We're not going to do that. So, here we go. This is what Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So he raises the question that has been put against him. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, too, might walk in newness of life. But if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to do nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one 
who has died and been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never again, will never die again. Death no longer has its dominion over him, for the death that he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives to God. But the, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present yourself to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin, so we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The diet signal went. May that's all just leave it off. It's alright. So when we read through um, Romans 6, when we look at this passage, there's a number of things that kind of get laid out. There's eight kind of points I want to fly through, and then just some kind of personal application, really. Um, the law doesn't conquer sin. That's his highlight. So the accusation against him has been like, well, this proposition of what you're putting forward of how to live, it doesn't really work. It kind of all falls apart, Paul, because they're saying um, this just gives people a license and they're just sinning. It doesn't get anyone to change their behavior. Now, for the Jewish people, I've said before, their background and their way of looking at things, it doesn't really matter what you believe. It's not an idea like, I believe in this idea. It's what you do, how you live. And they're saying, well, we're looking at what you're saying, Paul, and we're listening to you, and we're looking, and we're saying that actually that kind of idea isn't going to change people's actions. And Paul's actually saying the complete opposite. He's saying, no, it really, really does, and here, here is why. And if we look at, he says, what you've already been living, you've been living with the law, and he's saying that the law doesn't conquer sin. So the idea you've been putting forward for all this time hasn't actually changed people's actions either, because the law is external, it's on stone. He mentions heart in the passage. Because the idea has been that through God's Spirit coming within us and living in us, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the third type of baptism, changes us from the inside out. So it's a renewal of our hearts. So it's not just an idea of someone saying, don't do this anymore, do that. 
while we've been trapped in a habit that we've got going on, where we're just not going to break free from it. He's saying that actually through this, grace and the understanding of grace that they had at the time means like God ability. So it's God's ability to work through us. It's God empowered. It's God doing it. Um, so people have often talked about grace in a way that says, mercy is not receiving the punishment you deserve from God, and grace is receiving something good from God you don't deserve. And that is a true definition, and that is... Oh, Jimmy, it doesn't work. Our times. The struggle is real. Um, and that is, that is totally true in that definition. But grace is more than not just receiving a good thing you don't deserve. It's the very ability of God to transform our lives. It's the very ability of God living within a person and changing the whole way that they live. And so he points this out. Now, Paul also says, well, actually, no, that's not what I'm saying, because he goes, you've missed the point. He says, when we do baptism, he's saying what we're saying is, when we look at Christ, we've been baptized into him. He's talking about they've died to sin. So he talks about being dead to sin. So he's saying you've gone under the water. You've died with Christ. And that is the picture of baptism. That's why they choose to do it. They choose to... That's just going to drive me nuts. They choose to like go straight under the water. So that when they pull them back out and they come back out of the water, the idea is this, is they're testifying with an action to what has already taken place within them. So when people get baptised, what they're choosing to say is they're choosing to choose a public, historical, traditional action, and they're saying, look, this is me, this is my life, that life, that person, that's dead, and I want it dead, and I want it buried, and I'm going under this water because I'm believing in Jesus' death, taking my sin on the cross with him in his death. And when I come out of the water, what I'm saying is all of that old self, and Paul talked about the old self dying, is gone. The old me is dead and gone, dead and gone. It's a Justin Timberlake track. That's what baptism is. Oh, I've been traveling down this road too long, too long. Trying to find my way back home. Back home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back vocals. That's exactly what baptism is. It's Justin Timberlake and T.O. about swearing. It is literally. Well, actually, maybe there is the swearing. And maybe it dies in baptism. And there's this whole innocent life that comes out with Justin Timberlake on the chorus. But that's what baptism is. It's like taking an action and going, I totally, I dig this, I'm in with this. I'm identifying with his death. I identify that he was sinless, that he took my place, that my sin is on him, that he died, and he came and rose from the dead in newness of life, and he conquered sin, he conquered death, and I believe the same is going to happen with me. And that I'm not going to settle living in my life the way I'm living my life now. I'm going in, and I'm coming out. I'm going in, I'm leaving this behind me, and I'm moving forward. Which is why last week when we talked about this, we talked about it cleansing our conscience, which is what Peter talks about in his epistle. The baptism cleanses our conscience and leaves all that kind of baggage behind us. Um, when they were baptized into Christ, Paul isn't saying that baptism has some magical act that does this, that changes us, but it's just the visual element to it. The death is the submersion and the new life is coming out of the waters, um, now having the power to save and to bring into new life. Um, when Paul talks about the old man in the passage, he's talking about Adam in the previous chapter. Um, and passage before where we read, he talks about Adam, he talks about Jesus, and he talks about them being two types. So when he talks in this passage about the old man dying, he's saying we were like Adam, we were like our dad, um, our historical dad. He was in sin, he was trapped in sin, we were trapped in sin. That old way has gone, and this whole newness of life 
is, is, is coming through. And he's saying that, that sin no longer has the final say, that Jesus is the final say. That's the key thing here in the whole passage. The emphasis is that sin does not have the final say. The law doesn't have the final say. That Jesus has the final say by his grace and by his power in us and through us. Um, and he goes on to wrestle with the tension between what God has accomplished um, and our obedience. So he's saying like, yes, God has accomplished this, that we are saved by what God has done through us. But the whole reason that God saves us and makes us clean and washes away everything that was there before is that he wants to continue to do good works through us. So it's not kind of an idea that he's just saying to them, you guys got this totally twisted. This isn't about like God um, forgives us, he's done the final work in our life, that Jesus' death and resurrection means that's it, it's the final work, we're okay, we're good, we're done. He's saying we have buy-in as well, that we are a part of this resurrection, that we're a part of this new creation that God is creating, and that we need to, 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 to buy in on that. Um, and then he promises, he makes this amazing promise. He says, sin will not triumph over those who are his. He, he makes this clear indication that it's not the final word. Um, but the focus is on, at the end of it, the free gift, he says, which is eternal life. Now this for them, and for that concept, and that moment point in history, and that time frame, was absolutely huge. And the reason it was huge is if you remember Jesus and the lawyer that comes to him and asks the question, he says, good teacher, how must I inherit eternal life? It was the big question of the day. And when he was saying that, he wasn't just talking about um, longevity of life, like I want to live forever. He's talking about the quality of life, living a whole fulfilled life without selfishness, the pure stuff. And so here, at the end of this passage, Paul is saying, you guys can't earn that kind of life. That life is given to you and is given to us through Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection. And so when we're baptized, we're buying into that where we're saying, I put my trust solely in you. And this isn't just about me, this is about others, this is about the community, and I'm making this declaration where I want to go under these waters because I believe in him, and I want to leave this behind, and I want to come out into newness of life. Now, if I look back over my life, um, I can say I got baptized like really, really early. Um, I think I was baptized when I was about 13 years of age. I was baptized when I was like... One and then or something like, yeah. but my parents ain't even religious. They just made you get like they just dunked. Did it? Yeah. So I feel like I should do it again because it would mean more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like it's down to a decision that a decision that you make. So for me, like um, I grew up in a church where I'd always kind of grown up around church. But I guess when I was thirteen, I was kind of like, yeah, I want to get kind of serious with this. Yeah. Um, ironically, with me, I. Th think, uh, well no, I don't think, I know, <laughs> my life did happen after that, at 15 I kind of, I really trashed up my life, made lots of really terrible, 14, 15, I made lots of terrible choices that um, were not in, in line with kind of, weren't good, they weren't good for me, they weren't good for people around me, and all those um, um, sorts of things, but the, the resurrection that, that we experience through baptism isn't one that's just based around this action, because what we've been looking at like the last two weeks and we're wrapping up this week, is actually the water thing is a decision you're supposed to make kind of after you've kind of encountered Jesus and put your trust in him. Um, so like, yeah, totally. Like getting baptized as a kid, it doesn't really work because it's a decision you make. So it's like you can't really go under the water with him and come out to use the life when you don't know what that is and you've made no decision, you haven't put any trust in him. It's nothing to do that. All you've done is have a really like fashion, um, 
I guess, fashionably religious path. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not really, it's not really done anything for you. Um, and more baptism did for me was loads of water went out my nose. Um, honestly, because no one told me to hold it. It's like you're bang, like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. So like, I was waiting to come out of this amazing spiritual experience and I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> that totally sucked. But baptism as a whole, as in the idea of it, is like we, when we look at the Bible, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. But like, I remember like getting baptized at 13, life was awesome. Life went really rapidly downhill after that. And I can remember, like, what I would say, experiencing the baptism of Christ, which isn't anything really to do with water and what he talks about here, like coming into to life with, with Jesus, identifying with his death, identifying with his resurrection. And what he says is that old person is dead and gone. Now, I remember being 15. Um, I don't know if I can put this on the podcast this way, but yeah, whatever. Um, I, was just, I was just a knob. I'm not gonna lie. Like, like, I now, I now, I now work. I work in alternative provision, and I was looking at some of the learners, the way they treat one another, and I was like, I remember doing that. What a div! And like, you're looking at them now as like an adult, and you're like, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. Like, you think you're really funny because you just mugged him off, but you just mugged him. You're an idiot. You're just the right knob. And like, I was looking at this learner, and I was thinking, wow, I was such a knob. Like, I can't even, I can't put it any other way. I was just, just an idiot. Just some of the choices and the things and the ways, the ways that I acted, the way I treated other people, like, I didn't care about them. I just cared about me, getting whatever I could get out of any scenario or situation. And I, I remember, like, I was just smashed all the time. Like, even going to school, I'd go to uh, Stoney train station in the morning with my mate. I was drinking beer on my way to school. Like, I was just a complete idiot. Like, what a dipstick. Like the opportunity you get at school, and I'm going there on the way drinking and just being a dipstick to loads of people. And then you look back and you're like, what a mug. And at the time you think you're pretty cool, but you're not, you're an idiot. And when I look back at being 15, there was a lot of stuff that went on that led me to that place. Like I got bullied when I was a little bit younger. Um, this girl I was dating, um, some gang that didn't like me because I saved a boy who done a tag them and they were just after me constantly they set this sort of girl I was dating um, I got really depressed about that some guys came off with machetes and stuff and just all these different things and I just I, I got in a, like a really like low and a low point and God was I always believed God was kind of real but I didn't believe he was really connected to my situation I felt there's a disconnect so when I prayed at the beginning today I prayed about understanding that he's here that he's present not that he's just here and present in the room but he's here and present in every area of our lives that he's connected, and that's a sacred thing. Now, I remember at 15 having this realisation on holiday when I was just getting smashed and chasing every girl that was going. And um, I was just being an idiot. I remember having this argument with my dad on the last day um, and having this amazing encounter of God. It's like a crazy long story, so I'm going to try and compress it into just a couple of minutes and then just end for today. But I just remember having this moment where I, I felt like just given up on everything because my whole world felt like it was falling apart around me and I remember going um, to see my dad, uh, my mum and dad at the hotel we were staying at, we were on holiday in Portugal and I remember just saying to him like I've had enough, I'm done with this life, like I'm going out tonight till like 5am and I'm coming back, I was like 14 or 15, come back at 5am and I'll get on the plane with you. In the morning my dad was like no, you're not, that's not happening and we had this huge argument. And my dad said that in that moment, having this argument, he 
he heard God say to him, if you don't let him go, he will have nothing more to do with me. So my dad then turned around to me and said, I'm going to let you go. He goes, but you've got to pray with me. And I looked at him. I was like, you're an idiot. I was thinking, you're an idiot. And then my dad says, I prayed the foulest prayer he'd ever heard in his whole life. But because I prayed, he let me go. And as I was praying this prayer, I walked out of the, the hotel room. As I walked out of the hotel room, I carried on the prayer. I carried on this conversation with God, like a nutter. And so I walked out of there. I hadn't even been drinking yet. I'm carrying on this conversation with God, having a go at him, shouting and giving him a piece of my mind. And as I'm walking along, I've left the hotel now, and I'm walking along this cliff edge to this, across this beach. And I'm having a go at God, and I'm going like, talk, telling him about my life, giving him a piece of my mind about how things have got where they've got. And I remember this moment where I started moaning at God about my dad. Because uh, my parents had me late in life. They couldn't have children. My dad's like in his, his 70s, late 70s now. And um, I was just like, God, he's an old man. He's an idiot. You know, just just open his eyes. And um, I had this really bizarre encounter with God where him being there was just real and he was present in that moment. And it, it, was, it was totally bizarre. And the reason it was bizarre for me is the one thing I missed out was when I'd gone home one night, I got home and I had this dream where I saw God meet with me in this place on a cliff face with my hand in front of me and this fire just came across my dream and that was the end of it and I felt like God said, this is where you'll begin. And I thought, wow, that was a weird dream and I wasn't even wasted. <laughs> that was like, whoa, that was, that was some good-ish kind of thing, you know what I mean? I was like, whoa. And then I'm there in this moment and I'm arguing with God about my dad and I'm just like, God, my dad's just an idiot. Just open his eyes. I put my arm out in front of me. And I was standing on the exact cliff place that I've never been to before in my life, in Portugal, on the Algarve, from my dream. And it's there in front of me. And then there was just this presence. And he was just there. And it was just real. And I just collapsed on my knees. And I just couldn't stop crying. And I just had this encounter with him. And I literally, it, that was a baptism for me. It was a baptism. And here's how it was a baptism. Because when I got up off my knees after spending quite a long period of time there, I walked back to the hotel different. I mean different. Totally different. Like when I got back, there was this waiter guy that I'd been hanging out with, this other group of people. And he was like, man, we'll go out tonight. This waitress, I've got you hooked up with, man. She's going to take you down the beach and she's going to get it on, whatever. And I went like, no, no, I don't really do that. Like, what are you doing? And he goes like, no, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm interested in that? We've been having like, a great time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian? He burst out laughing. He rolled around on the floor, <laughs> cracking up, like, dude, dude, man, you are taking a nip. Like, you are not. It's like, mate, yeah, I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not involved. I didn't drink that night. I hung out. And that girl, she tried to take me down to the beach, run down to the beach. I just started telling her about Jesus. Like, I completely changed. I completely changed. And she ended up sitting next to me, just crying her eyes out, because I was the only guy that she kind of presented herself to in that situation that hadn't tried to take advantage of her. And it was just mad. And I went back. And then when I flew back home, all my boys were listening to like, man, I'm changed. Like, God's done something in my life. This is awesome. This is amazing. I don't want to do any of this stuff anymore. This is just great. I am so happy about life. I remember seeing my friends for the first time, and a few of them came around me, put their arms around me, and said, Andy, it's going to be okay. We're just going to get you a beer. Okay. <laughs> I was like 15, and I was like, no, 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 I'll have an orange juice. Like, Andy, seriously, man, I'll get you a beer. It's going to be okay. We're going to get friends. And then a different group of friends, like, dude, like, 
It's split, man. Don't worry, bro. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. I'm like, it is more than okay. I am alive for the first time, and I have this newness of life. And that's what baptism does. So in the summer months, we're going to be finding a location, and we're going to have a time of baptism. But the way I've ended this talk is really a highlight for the series we're going to be starting next week. So I don't know if you've got the email. Um, basically, um, if you want, you can go to cityhill.org.uk, fill out the connect form to stay up to date with all the information. You get five emails over three weeks letting you know everything's happening in the church, catching up to speed. And then from then on, an email once a month, which will tell you about what's going on. So yesterday, you should have got an email in your, in your email box, or, um, which basically let you know about our new series. Our new series, starting next Sunday, is called Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Hinene. Now, the reason for that is, obviously, there's the song, Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nene, and we all, we all know about the song. There is a Hebrew word called Hinene, and it means I am here. It's about being fully present. And there are eight times in the Hebrew scriptures where this word is used. And every time that it's used, what happens is there is a whip going on where there is a struggle and there is pain and there is suffering and there is a difficult situation. And then there is a moment where God shows up and there is a henene where the person says, here I am, Lord, use me. And the whole situation changes. So over these four weeks, we're going to look at a whip and we're going to look at a henene. So each week, there's one week, and there's a thing. So here's what's going to happen. There is a challenge and there is a reward that is going to be going down. For anyone who makes their own whip and nene video, which then tags in City Hill, and inviting friends to come to my church where we will whip and nene next Sunday, um, the video that gets the most social media response um, we'll get a prize. We'll get like an Amazon voucher. And depending on how good the social media response is, will depend how much money is on the Amazon voucher. <laughs> so it's going to be hilarious. The challenge is there. Watch me whip, watch me henene. And I'm just letting you guys know that when I do my whip and henene video, like, I'm going to be throwing it down. So, like, if you guys want to beat me to the Amazon voucher, like, you're going to have to go hard. Because, like, I'm going to be tagging people I knew from nursery. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. I had, I, I work in alternative provision and I had all these kids trying to teach me how to whip and henene. And one girl was losing so much patience. She said, I just want to punch you in the face. <laughs> so, uh, mine's going to be funny. I can guarantee that. But, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm going to pray for us now, and that'll be it for this week. Father, I thank you that in the midst of this story, in the midst of this um, text in, in Romans 6, where it's all about death and new life, um, that you are present, that you are here, that you are with us, um, Father, I thank you that you meet with us exactly as we are and that you invite us to join you in your death that we may have newness of life, that we just have to believe in you, that we put our trust in what you've done on the cross, that we can experience newness of life and complete change, that we can have the free gift of eternal life, which is not just longevity, but the quality of that life. Um, would you meet with us this week? Would you do something amazing in us, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, I just want to throw it out there. Let me watch me whip, watch me her nay. It's gonna